This episode of the Supply Chain Brain Podcast is supported by Oliver White, a business consultancy with a long-standing reputation for innovation and thought leadership. Be sure and stick around after the discussion for a look at the company and what it offers to clients. But now, on to the podcast. For many companies today, having to make key supply chain decisions in a time of extreme uncertainty must feel a lot like stumbling around in the dark. Hi everybody, I'm Bob Bowman, Editor-in-Chief of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. It's tough to see our way past this current pandemic. For many businesses at the moment, it's just a question of day-to-day survival. But life goes on, and so does customer demand and the supply chains needed to satisfy it. So action must be taken. On today's episode, we learn how companies are dealing with this conundrum and how they might move forward from my guest Bob Hershey, president of Oliver White Americas. He lays out the basic challenges and discusses why some businesses are having an easier time than others of navigating the perils of the coronavirus and economic downturn. And we speculate on when this is all going to end. So here's my conversation with Bob Hershey. Bob Hershey, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mr. Bowman. What are you seeing as the impact of the current environment, not only the pandemic, but the resulting economic freefall that we're all experiencing on businesses today and specifically on their end-to-end supply chains? First off, we're seeing that the impacts are different, uh, different by industry, even companies within industries, and sometimes even within companies. So, for example, as you mentioned, the pandemic and the associated economic fallout, we've all read how it's harshly impacted industries like travel, airlines and hotels and services, restaurants and gyms and oil and gas has been dealt very harshly. And and those have supplied them as well. So it's important, in my view, to understand that the airlines may be suffering, but also the plane makers and their suppliers and on and on. Mm-hmm. But a few industries are actually doing okay. Think about equipment suppliers, personal protection equipment suppliers, or grocery chains, consumer staples, a lot more delivery services like Amazon. But across, even whether you're being substantially impacted or perhaps benefiting, there's extra costs that are being incurred in the in the COVID-19 environment. And that I think we need to consider that as well. Some companies have both B2B and B2C business models, and those, of course, are impacted differently. I've come across some statistics that say something like two-thirds of the companies are feeling like that they've been negatively impacted by this, which is quite a bit. Mm-hmm. A quarter actually think they've been positively impacted in terms of the businesses they're in. And the rest, you know, small, no change. Yeah. But specific to your other part of the question, end-to-end supply chains, there's a ripple effect through the supply chains. Again, think about the airlines. Airlines are not flying planes. Plane makers aren't making planes. They're first-tier suppliers, and then their supplier suppliers are all being impacted. I believe that the further upstream you go, 
you often find companies that are smaller and more specialized and more vulnerable to the kind of major economic event that we're in right now. So think about resiliency uh, is different along the supply chain. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. I guess one other thing I'd mention, we are in an era of globally extended, optimized supply chain networks. And a lot of the buffer or the elasticity of those networks has been taken out, uh, very efficient. And so a black swan event like we're in can wreak havoc on those extended supply chains. And it's been compounded with the global aspect where, as we know, the pandemic is different depending on the continent, the country, I mean, in in the U.S., the state that we're in, and even down to the locality level. So while one part of your supply chain may be in one condition, another part may be in a different, and of course Mm -hmm. you need all of the supply chain to work efficiently. But it seems like one common element here, even for those companies that are doing well, is uncertainty. It's extreme uncertainty, especially in sales and operations. So how are businesses dealing with that? Well, again, quite differently. I think, and I've run across this a lot, we see that companies that have been exercising their planning and execution muscles for a while seem to be leveraging, able to leverage those processes and use them to kind of deal with that uncertainty. But one thing is for sure, cutting across everything, is a a much more of a focus on the shorter term. With the environment we're in, uh, long-term planning is a nice to have, Short-term execution and agility is a have-to-have, mm-hmm. and that's not to say they're ignoring the long-term, but they're just shifting their focus a bit. And those same types of companies that are really adept at planning in an agile way and executing as a result are exercising scenario modeling and contingency planning, especially looking past the COVID-19 environment. Again, for those that haven't perhaps been exercising those muscles as much, they're having to adapt really quickly. Weren't we seeing some of that even before the pandemic struck? Were we not seeing sales and operations planning horizons shrinking to the point where companies were feeling like they needed to be more agile and responsive to what was actually happening rather than come out with these three-month or six-month plans that may be thrown away when reality intrudes? So was that not already a trend before? I don't know if I would call it a trend, Bob. I would call it more recognizing that to run a business successfully and strategically succeed, you have to worry about this week, this quarter, this year, and the five-year period. So they all kind of go together. So I think the focus on the shorter term, when I see successful companies really able to navigate their strategic agendas, it's how does that short-term inform the strategic horizon as well. So they work together. And so they're trend, it's actually a good trend, that they're recognizing the short does lead to the long and vice versa. Again, this is a question that is going to, that requires generalizations, and I, and I appreciate you're making the point that it's very difficult to generalize among all these questions. But again, the types of disruptions that companies are facing today in their supply chains, are they at sub-tier level? Are they tier one? Are they in transportation? Are they all of the above? Where are the big disruptions happening and how are companies dealing with that? Regardless of where you are in the supply chain and what role you play, whether it's logistics or fulfillment or selling or product development, one thing is for sure, there's been a sudden substantial change in demand. It's been a demand-led type of disruption. And as we can read and and feel ourselves, a lot of demand has just evaporated overnight. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. just not there. 
and some have been the opposite, a surge in demand. So there's been a kind of a demand lead here. I've actually heard folks say our demand forecasts are basically rendered useless. That may be the case, but what are you going to do about it? You got to replan as quickly as possible. And on top of that, because it's been rendered useless, they're kind of lacking confidence, okay, in terms of how to respond to the demand and supply changes. But here are a few specifics that I think I, I've just, as I talked to the industry leaders that I talked to, out of the demand and the associated supply type of disruptions, the day-to-day working capital, I got too much inventory, I don't have enough or I'm having to renegotiate terms, both upstream and downstream. Capacity utilization, boy, I was running full, and now I'm not. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to make these tough economic downtime type of decisions. Labor availability has become an issue, especially in the U.S. High employment rates or low unemployment rates, not so much anymore, but just the ability to run a factory. Availability of inputs, raw materials or packaging components, again, with those globally extended supply chains. Even the need to expedite new products in an environment where there's not demand with the hope that that'll help offset the demand destruction that's occurring. So I would say the types of disruptions are all kind of emanating and coming out of just a whole new world in terms of demand for a lot of products. And in the face of that, as you indicate, the trend up until this point for the last few years was one of getting rid of waste, or what was referred to as waste, getting rid of buffer stock, getting as lean as possible, where inventories were kept to a minimum. Do you think that in light of what's happened subsequently, that maybe companies and supply chains went too far in that direction? I believe that they'll reevaluate where they've been. This will, I think, is an eye-opener for contingency planning and scenario planning to set buffers rather than just mathematical safety stock type calculations. Uh, But there's also, I think, something that will emerge out of this, and that's kind of the risk assessment and management of your supply chain and where you'd want to take risk, whether it's close to your uh, link in the chain or farther upstream or downstream. And I think those that especially have made significant investment and very efficient, as you say, reduced buffers, just leaned out their supply chains globally, I think risk assessment will perhaps bring a a different view or different lens on what that means and the trade-offs that would be associated with that. So I Mm -hmm. think, yeah, there will be a reevaluation of the trend. And I'm not going to say that the reevaluation and the risk assessment would lead to significant changes in approach. But it will be a different set of questions, and those answers to those questions will matter, I think, Mm -hmm. and we'll see some adaptation going forward in terms of supply chain planning and buffering and all that kind of thing. Okay, here's the impossible question, and I'm sorry for asking it, but I have to anyway. (laughs) No one knows the answer to this, but how long do you think the impact of the current business upheaval will last? What should companies be preparing for in that way? Yeah, well, that is the possible question. We'd call that the $64 question right back in the day. (laughs) I see companies all all over the place. And it kind of goes back to what we talked earlier, Bob, about depending on what industry you're in and their particular business models and channels. So just based on what I'm hearing, well over half, maybe three-quarters of the companies are planning to be in this environment at least six to 12 months. And we're probably at the halfway mark of the six-month end of that. And some are thinking one or two years or more. Again, if you're in the airline industry, you probably have a longer tail 
on mm-hmm. how, how long this will linger than if you're in a consumer staple type of in- industry. And some companies in oil and gas think demand will never come back to the pre-pandemic levels and are actively developing plans to address a smaller industry footprint overall. Mm-hmm. So regardless of how long it's going to last, there's could be a, it could last forever. and and be in a different condition as we go to the post-COVID-19 environment. Now, you've already suggested that some of the changes companies are going to be making going forward as a result of this, but I'd like to get just a little bit more of an idea in your opinion about what permanent changes we might see in planning and execution of supply chains going forward when the pandemic subsides, and for that matter, when the economy bounces back. How might supply chains look different on a permanent basis as a result of this experience? I actually think the pandemic and the environment we're in is going to uh, accelerate something that had already been occurring. We've seen a trend toward distributed teams and distributed collaboration models. A lot of this has been enabled by technology, and I believe the current environment is test driving that real time and will only encourage as we go forward that the processes, the distributed processes and planning and execution across multiple trading partners enabled by technology will enable that to happen not just in the day-to-day remote working, but how you actually work with your your trading partners. I think companies will reevaluate how they manage their supply chains, to your question. They'll look harder at insourcing versus outsourcing, you know, how extended they want to be. And as I mentioned before, risk management will likely emerge as a key consideration. Beyond the obvious, Bob, I think there's going to be some ongoing learning and adjustment that will all, all business will go through, whether you're in industry or services or whatever. Clients are actually sharing their experiences so far, things that will just change the way we do business. So getting effective input and dialogue on a virtual meeting is different than getting it face-to-face. That's just the way it is. Actually, I've heard people almost always say, I'm spending more times in meetings now. So when you think about a trend toward collaborative and distributed networks and how our supply chains will work virtually, if you will, just think about the impact that will have on just your daily calendar. However, the good news is they're saying, well, we're having to be much more focused on the important issues rather than just the small talk and that kind of thing, which is actually a positive development in in my mind. Let's cut to the chase and uh, focus on the important things. Amazingly enough, it's harder to contact colleagues. I put this into the phrase, there's less water cooler problem solving. If you think about a really dynamic environment, those impromptu, spontaneous discussions lead to some great things. And it'll just be harder to do that as we go forward from here in, in the way I think work will be done. So it's it's a steep learning curve and we're all on it, but I think it'll be actually be better when we're out of this versus where we were before. Bob, I believe Oliver White celebrating a 50th birthday, is that correct? Tell me just a quick summary of of the company's formation and what it was all about when it got started. You're right, Bob. We just celebrated 50 years last year. And you could guess Oliver White is named after Ollie White, the founder. And it's really started with trying to transform the way business was done from a production 
management and scheduling point of view and really enabling companies to use the people, processes, and tools. Ollie said that people were the most important part, and that carries through to today. And, and that's what people do and how clear their roles and responsibilities are and how they perform the processes enabled by technology, uh, we still believe is the important. But over the last 50 years, Oliver White has continued to be a thought leader in integrated planning processes and the execution connect point. We're noted for our integrated business planning, thought leadership and capabilities, and we help industry leaders across the wide range of industries to put very reliable models in place for how they manage their businesses day-to-day in a strategic way. So we're proud to be 50 years old, a thought leader in integrated planning and all the execution aspects of that. You know, you certainly had to pivot with your own approach as the customer needs have changed as well. But what about today? I mean, this is a, these are extraordinary times. What is Oliver White doing right now to assist companies in managing through this particular crisis? Well, we've done a, a number of things. Like a lot of folks, you've had to pivot, especially now. First of all, we've substantially adapted the way we deliver. We've had to respond to them virtually, and they've actually appreciated that because we're able to keep momentum in terms of satisfying their needs and requirements for better planning and execution. We also opened up a substantial resource library. Our resources and our thought leadership goes back, as you mentioned, 50 years, starting with Ollie. And we've opened that up to clients and prospects to hasten their own learning curve and agility and adaptability in this environment. And being the leaders in integrated planning processes, many of our clients have turned to us for the quick wins. And we've been able to tap into a substantial kind of resource of thought leadership in order to provide that. We've actually launched over the last uh, several months some very specific things that clients are asking for in this sudden turn of events. So things like we call integrated tactical planning. What it really does is help companies deal in that short-term way, the short-term changes in demand and supply in a disciplined and reliable way. We've introduced a program called integrated scenario planning. It really provides companies with reliable, proven approaches to contingency planning and, and more proactively dealing with disruptions. Think of it as kind of helping them become much less flat-footed in the face of dramatic changes in the marketplace. We got even very specific program to develop, monitor, and change key demand planning assumptions. I mentioned demand was the key thing here. And folks say, well, how do I even create assumptions in this type of environment? So we have developed some thought leadership there as well in in our helping clients in that uh, arena. And several other things that we'll be uh, doing over the next weeks and months, really more focused now, not on dealing with the here and now, but helping ready our clients and prospects for the recovery. We're calling it business recovery services. So we're taking a lot of our education, design, and implementation capabilities and bringing them together under kind of a cohesive recovery mindset type of suite of solution setting type of approaches. Well, happy belated birthday to Oliver White. And Bob Hershey, thank you so much for giving us a picture of just what companies are going through these days as a result of the pandemic, economic freefall or whatever. And then also telling us more about Oliver White, its history and its present services. So Bob Hershey, 
Thank you very much for being with us today. Really appreciate it. Appreciate it, Bob. It's definitely a challenging but also exciting time, and we're glad to partner with you and our clients for success. That was my conversation with Bob Hershey of Oliver White Americas, talking about surviving the upheaval of the current business environment. Our thanks to Oliver White for sponsoring this episode. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. Stay well. See you next time.